In week nine, the NFL expanded their audience to the land of the three best bees, boom, bratwurst, beer, and bread. In Frankfurt, Germany, it was the home of the Chiefs as they took on the Miami Fighting Tua's. Kansas City roared to a 21-0 lead by halftime, but Tua Tagovailoa said, Jamandim Alfden kicks Gehen and shook off those beer boots from the night before and brought the Dolphins back but a costly snap that flew right over the head of the quarterback, much like Josh McDaniels thinking he was going to be successful as a head coach, sealed this football game. Chiefs, 21. Dolphins, 14. The Cardinals fly north and head out to the mistake by the lake to take on Kevin, I miss Kirk Cousins, Stefanski. Clayton, I can't carry a tune, gets his first start and does his best Mitch Trubisky impersonation, throwing two picks and contributing one fumble as Cleveland rocks to a 27-0 win. Speaking of beer boom, Lam- at Lambeau Field, Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers welcome the injury-riddled Los Angeles Rams, led by Mountain West Conference all-time passing leader Brett Rippon. The Packers took advantage of the mashup and flexed their meat and cheese. Packers, 20. Rams, 3. We fly out to the city best known for the wire as the Ravens look to defend their title as top bird in the NFL. Gino Don't Punch Me Smith gets his jaw wired shut again as Justin Aria Not Nirvana Tucker sings a beautiful Saria as he sends three field goals through the uprights and the Seahawks are sleepless on their way back to Seattle. Ravens, 37. Seahawks, 3. No head coach, no problem. As it looks like Josh McDaniels was the problem after all in that Las Vegas Raiders locker room. Well, we all knew that, boom. Antonio Pierce stepped in and said, I don't know what we're yelling about. Football is football. The running game for the Raiders finally got going, and Josh Jacobs led the way with two touchdowns for the Raiders. The New York Giants trot out Tommy DeVito after an injury to Daniel Jones, which is the most Italian name I've ever seen. He said, forget about it, and tossed two picks. The Raiders, 30. Giants, 6. On today's episode of Out of Office Bros, we're discussing the Buffs rally coming short against the Beavers around college football and other NFL news. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Out of Office Bros. It is your boy, D-Train, along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. How are we doing today, pal? D-Train, we're, uh, we're fighting through again. One thing that is really helping me today, and I apologize to our listeners if I am a little distracted as we film, we got Buffs basketball back as our men are currently beating the ever-loving shit out of Towson, and our women, our lady Buffs, are currently up 85-67 to 67 against the defending national champion, LSU Tigers, with about three minutes to go in the fourth quarter as we are filming this right now. That huge, huge day. That is amazing, man. Yeah, it's a huge day to be a Buffs fan, and it could be a very, very fun time to be a Buffs fan. So even if you're hopping on this bandwagon just to like the football team because of what's going on over there, absolutely stay and watch these other sports that have been going on. I mean, we talked about uh, women's soccer having an incredible season. We've got the CU men's basketball, CU women's basketball starting up. Like, it is a good time to be a Buffs fan. It, it really is. I mean – we, we did our previews a little while ago for basketball, and our women's team is nice. I mean, they're returning some of their biggest players, whether that's Jalen Sherrod or Q, and we brought in some good transfers. We got a girl from Michigan that can really play ball. They're going to be nice. They're returning that Sweet 16 roster with those additional pieces. That's going to be a really, really fun team to watch. And, you know, one big thing about our women's team is J.R. Payne is a very good coach. And there's also a Sanders on that roster as well. So there's a reason to root for him. On the flip side, you got the men. This is probably Boyle's most exciting team since Spencer Dinwiddie went down. And they're they're proving it right now. They have 
incredible players, whether that's Tristan Da Silva, who's a, a second round pick projected right now, or Cody Williams, who's projected to go somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10 to 15 in the NBA draft in the first round. It's a really, really great time to be a Buffs fan. And it's not just our football team. While there's a lot of excitement, a lot of hype, we have other great sports that we need to be supporting because candidly, we've talked about it here. Our football team, our best hope was six and six. That was our goal. Whereas our men's and women's basketball team, we're projecting late March runs here. And our volleyball team is good. Our cross country team is outstanding. Let's support all of our sports. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into this Buffs football team a little bit here. Um, you know, in, interesting game on Saturday night. A um, lot to dive into. I believe here the Buffs did lose to number 16 ranked Oregon State, uh, 19-26, uh, coming up a, a touchdown short. And what I... My biggest gripe, I think, with this entire football game was the ending of that first half. Oh, my God. Where I feel like this – well, there are two things with this game that I feel like that we can specifically blame Deion Sanders for the decisions that have been made. And this first one was is that at the end of that first half, he decided to be aggressive – when we were only down, um, it was seven to three at that point, um, or seven to yeah, seven to three, and we uh, we got the ball with like a minute and forty odd seconds remaining, I believe, and uh, it was on our own five yard line, and the Buffs decided to be aggressive and throw the ball down the field and try to get some points before the end of the half. Um, that didn't happen. We had a quick three and out, ended up punting the ball away, and then Oregon State scored another touchdown to end that first half to take it into the locker room at 14-2-3. So we had all that momentum on our side where we what we had to remember was is that we were playing the number 16 ranked team in the country, and you're only down four points, and you're also about to get the ball at the end or at the start of the second half. Why be aggressive in that situation? I I understand the aggression. I, I really do because you you gotta when when you're playing the sixteenth team in the country and you're a five hundred team, you realistically have nothing to lose, in my mm-hmm. eyes. But we had already shown earlier that half that we were going to be conservative when we're in the red zone and instead of going for it on fourth and five from like the opponents I want to say it was like the eight yard line, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of going for it, we settle for a field goal. So you can't have it both ways in that regard where you want to be aggressive when you're backed up in the shadow of your own end zone with, I'm pretty sure it was actually under a minute left. I, I think we kicked the ball back with them for 37 seconds and we were stopping the clock like crazy because we threw three incompletions. It, you can't have it both ways. And if you're going to have it both ways, you need to flip that script of what we did. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's so incredibly frustrating to me. I mean, you, you said it earlier, Oregon state is a damn good football team. It's not that they have more star power than us because they certainly don't where they really excel is they're so fundamentally sound and well coached because Jonathan Smith is one hell of a coach. I'm praying to God that they actually lose him, not for Oregon State, because I feel really bad for them. But just because, I mean, he's going to be a problem for years, and I don't want him getting poached by some big 12 team. I'd rather him go to Michigan State or something like that mm-hmm. to be where better. We don't have, where we don't have to play him in conference once again. Yeah. I mean, some of the decisions he was making, I was like, yeah, this, I mean, this guy this guy definitely knows what he's doing. Uh, but you're absolutely right. There was 49 seconds left on the clock. Uh, we, Yeah, we elected to try to go for it through for two incomplete passes and then had a run for no gain where Oregon State then called a timeout. So they had, they had enough time to, to march down the field. And we had an absolute breakdown on defense when we had been playing Pat for the – entire first half. I mean, our defense is what kept us in this game because our offense could find zero rhythm. No rhythm, no rhythm. Once again, we couldn't establish a run. And I I think the most annoying part about all of this, and we'll dive into this a little bit deeper after we do a breakdown, but 
Pat Shermer is who we thought he was. So that's that was going to be my second point of the second decision that Deion Sanders made that I think cost us this game, and that was changing the offensive play caller um, for the Colorado Buffaloes, where Deion Sanders uh, decided to take away play calling duties from Sean Lewis and give them to Pat Shermer, uh, former offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Um, and nothing changed. Not the, the that change didn't change the fortunes of this offense. We kept getting sacked. We were doing nothing to help Shadur Sanders out by either leaving a tight end in there to help or, or or have a running back in there to do a chip block, something like that. Shador was still scrambling for his life out there and and it it, it once again cost us the football game because we couldn't establish a rhythm. Well, no, one thing changed was we decided not to even try going north-south for once and going with the Pat Shermer special of we're going to go east-west a lot and yeah. hope to God something good happens. End zones aren't that way. I, I've been in Folsom Field a bunch of times. <laughs> the end zones go north-south, last I checked. What what were we even doing? I mean, I we're, we're not chipping off the line. We're not... Even we, we still trotted out Dylan Edwards as our number one running back, which we shouldn't have. Pat, Pat Shermer is not going to be the answer. And here's the other part about this is I don't think he's going to be our offensive coordinator next year. I also don't think Sean Lewis is going to be our offensive coordinator next year. Pat Shermer certainly isn't that guy. And he proved why last night. First off, he, he had a couple of decent stints in the NFL as an OC Nothing spectacular, nothing terrible as an offensive coordinator up until the Broncos. You'd, you'd think he would do something to chip, and what did we see? We saw Travis Hunter. I put this in our group text when we were talking about this news of you're gonna Travis Hunter is going to get so many fake jet sweeps. I, I counted four of them. I, I was right. And when they finally tried to throw it to him after a jet sweep, jet sweep fake, it went for negative four. Right. Like there was nothing creative. It actually was worse in my eyes, this offense. And granted we didn't, I, I would have hated this offense, especially if we were playing UCLA, mm-hmm. but you know, it's going to be a messy divorce. I think between Sean Lewis and this and, and the staff, um, I think that it's, it, it's no one's fault. I don't blame prime for that. I don't blame Sean Lewis for that. I think the issue is when you look at Sean Lewis, and we've talked about his tendencies in the past, what always made his offense really go and his running game in particular really go was having a mobile quarterback that was a true dual threat. While Shador can move and he can get out of the pocket and scramble for some yards, he, he's not a running quarterback. Right. And Sean Lewis's entire offense is predicated on the quarterback being able to run that RPO. And then that sets up, you know, freeing up the running back that draws in the linebackers where it frees up that intermediate passing game. That that could be the issue. And it just didn't meld well. I think, you know, we probably both parties look back and say, eh, this wasn't the right fit. I'm curious to see who we bring in here. I have a sneaky suspicion it's going to be Byron Lefwich, which I'm not sure that's going to go any better. But I, I'm hoping that we dig deep and we find a better offensive line coach if we could go poach the dude from Oregon state, cause that offensive line is incredible with a bunch of mid and low three stars starting, go get him. But we got to figure something out. Yeah, no, we definitely do, man. And, and it's so frustrating to watch as a buffs fan because it's so elementary of, of the things that you could do to get this fixed. If you still want to go four <laughs> wide, throw a tight end in there. And then that's 11, like throw it to like, like have six people blocking Shador makes oh, oh. seven, and then you have four wide receivers. Oh, holy offense. shit. Holy shit. Sorry. Sorry to our listeners. Uh, we're going to get into football talk. Uh, the Colorado women's basketball team just upset the LSU Tigers 92-78 to in Las Vegas. Wow. Huge dub for the Buffs to start the year. That is a tremendous upset as we take down the number one LSU Tigers. Holy shit. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> And the Buffs, yeah. the Buffs beat Towson as well. Buffs men's basketball just won. Yeah. That was expected, though. Yeah. Um, back to back to football. It's it's incredibly frustrating that it seems like our offensive line has gotten worse every single week, yeah. and then our defense has actually improved every yeah. single week. 
Um, I want to dive into the defense in a minute, but I've never in my life seen outside of when we hired Mitch Rodriguez for our offensive line. Good call, Carl. You took a guy who was selling blocking sleds to coach an offensive line for Division One football. I haven't seen a offensive line regress to this extent and this rapidly over the course of a season. I mean, our week one, it wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't this bad where we couldn't complete a three-step drop. We couldn't get any push off the line. I, I don't know what's happened, and I think that's got to be coaching. And that's what happens when you take a guy who his highest level of coaching was G5. Right. Right. I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so many things that you can point to that could, that it could be, um, you know, scheme coaching, uh, Shador holding too long onto the ball. I mean, it's a, it's a amalgam of all of these things that are just unfortunately for the Buffaloes, just costing them football games. If we, if we had any, um, you know, modicum of success moving forward, it's going to be fixing that offensive line. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows that moving, uh, if they're, if they're going to be playing the Colorado Buffaloes, that they have to attack uh, Shador and bring blitzes because otherwise he's going to pick you apart. You have to get to him quickly. So every, every team is doing it. I mean, they exposed us pretty early unfortunately, before we could get those six wins. Yeah. And you know, we, we got to win this week. We got to win the Wazoo game on the road because there's no way we're going to beat Utah in Utah. I, I'm going to say that right now. There's no way that that happens. So if we want to go to a bowl this year, if we want to go bowling, we got to get the next two. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about how Shador's going to dice you up. I'm not sure he's going to right now. And that's not to doubt his talent or his his accuracy or his just – presence on the field it's the fact that i think he's playing on one damn leg right now yeah because he's been hit so much i mean he's had to go up to the locker room twice now to get shot up during the game and he you could tell he floated a couple that he's usually pretty accurate on he shorted a couple that one that really stands out to me is that uh, deep ball to travis hunter that drew a pi because of a great play by travis but early in the year at tcu short drops that in a bucket and it's six versus a 15 yard penalty and then we stalled out again you know i i think Sador is seriously hurt and one thing that i'm starting to question is do the guys on that offensive line like their quarterback Mm. like you know i i i'm watching the interactions i went back and watched the game because i was i was obviously in the stadium so I wanted to see everything that was going on that you miss when you're when you're there, when you're at a game. Like you you know it, I know it. So I went back and kind of skimmed through the through the game. And one thing that I kept noticing, and one thing that's kind of been a theme this year is when the offense comes off the field, Shador's over by himself on the bench, or he's just with the other quarterbacks. You watch Michael Penix Jr., you watch Caleb Williams and these other Bo Nicks, these other elite quarterbacks, particularly in the pack. They're talking to their offensive line. They're talking to their receivers. Those guys are gravitating towards them. Mm-hmm. When one of them gets knocked down, you see a multitude of linemen come over, pick him up. Or if he gets hit a little bit late or if it's questionable, you see those guys get in the face of the defender and make a move. I haven't seen that out of our offensive line. And I don't know if there's friction between Shador and those guys or if those guys just don't have that killer instinct or what it is. But that's, that is my biggest concern right now because – and I don't think it's the coach's kid thing because you look at Shiloh on the defensive side of the ball, he is evidently the leader of that side. And you could tell those guys gravitate towards him. You always see him and Trevor Woods like celebrating together and getting after it together. And same with Cameron Silman Craig and all the other guys on the defensive side of the ball that I'm starting to question is Shador liked – by this team. And that's a scary thought to me that he is the Bo Callahan. Yeah. I was just going to say, so none of his teammates are going to show up to his birthday party sort of scenario. (laughs) That's, that's my concern, except for maybe Travis. Um, Because it's, it's a really weird 
dichotomy that we're seeing because we've seen tough quarterbacks like Shador. And let's not mistake that Shador is a tough son of a bitch. We saw it with Sefa Lufau, but those guys, those offensive linemen, those running backs, those wide receivers, they all backed Sefo. Mm. And you could tell they would go to war for him. I, I just haven't seen that from the offensive side of the ball for for Shador, even though he's taking hits that are worse than what Sefo took in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he I don't Sefo, I mean, didn't get sacked as many times as Shador is this season. No, I, I'm not sure anyone will ever get sacked as much as Shador has this season. I mean, hopefully it's not. insane. Like hopefully I'm starting to worry about the kid's health. Yeah. You have to at a certain point and so does Dion. And that's why something's got to change, but here, so I I'd said this in our group chat as well is, is that at a certain point it's, it's time to nut up or shut up for the things that Dion is saying. Um, he, to his credit, did take blame for that first half, um, what do I call it, a, a boggle, a debacle. The bungle. Yeah, the bungle <laughs> um, for letting Oregon State get the ball back and go down and score. He said, that's on me. I'm going to be better. Um, but then when he talks about uh, about making changes and, and doing things where the team's going to be more aggressive, just not seeing it. I'm not seeing those, those changes. And I mean, we make no mistake. We're a second half football team. We, we -hmm. play a lot better in the second half than we do in the first half. Um, And, 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 you know, some, some games just got away from us too, too early and too quickly, but this one didn't. And that's what was so frustrating is if we had gone into that locker room at seven to three and then came out with that same fire that we did in the second half, we, we had a chance of either taking this game into overtime or potentially winning. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of what's bothering all of us to a really large extent is we keep getting told the passion is going to be there. The passion is going to be there. And we just haven't seen it. The fight hasn't been there in the first half or it's disappeared in the second. We saw that with Stanford and that's what really concerns me. But I don't think Dion has lost the team because we we continue to fight in the second half. Right. I think you know that that's a positive we can take away and we could we're, we'll get into positives because I don't want this to be super negative. Sean Lewis hasn't made any adjustments and Pat Shermer hasn't made adjustments at half and that's been a common theme throughout this entire season is our offense like you said it just hasn't changed. Even when things aren't going right in the first half like look at Oregon, look at USC. We're not changing anything. SC, we didn't change anything. The only thing that changed was Alex Grinch became Alex Grinch on the defensive coordinator (laughs) side. And he got rightfully canned, which we'll talk about later. But that was the positive from that. But then you look at Stanford. Our offense was anemic for most of the second half. And that's why Stanford was able to come back in that ballgame because we put up 29 in the first half. But then we didn't do anything to keep that train rolling in the second half. Our offense against ASU, that game was much closer than it should have been. And I look at that as we didn't adjust when ASU kind of keyed in on us on that first half. We got to throw something different. We got to throw some wrinkles out there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's paid a lot more to do this than you and I are sitting here talking about it for free. He knows more football. He's forgotten more football than we'll ever know. And I think that's what's... That, that's the most frustrating part about this to me is we're sitting here saying you need to make adjustments. You need to run the ball. You need to dominate the time of possession. That's why Oregon State won. Like, look at their time of possession from this game. They controlled the clock 36 minutes to 24. Yeah. that That's how you win ball games. We talked about it, it with the Broncos. And we're not making adjustments to, to change it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great point that these, that these coaches, they, they have watched more film. They, they know exactly how to fix it. Why aren't they doing so? That's, that's the frustrating part. Yeah. Um, let's get into some positives though. From let's get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we still, <laughs> we might, we're still one of those teams that plays to the level of our competition every yeah. single game. Like it's I, I, like I said, that we're, we're a second half team. It's also the fact that we play to the level of our competition. I don't think that Oregon state is as good as they think they are. Um, 
that or that or like you said, our defense was that much more improved. Um, eh, we we had we had quite a few sacks. Defense was getting mm-hmm. after the quarterback. Uh, DJ DJU, like you had said in our preview, it, he is fine. He's a, he's a good quarterback. He I didn't I wouldn't say that he necessarily like picked us apart or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a fun ball game to watch. Other than other than being a frustrated fan, it, it was a fun football game to watch. Yeah, and and you hit on it there. Our defense was getting after it. Our defense and why I've laid off of Charles Kelly so much. Progressively, they are getting better. Yeah, they they are. We're starting to see a genuine pass rush with Jordan Dominic. He has emerged as a true pass rush threat. You see an opportunistic defense where we forced two turnovers this game and we didn't capitalize. We forced four against UCLA and we didn't capitalize on any of them. Like our defense is giving us chances and we're getting the ball into what should be our strengths hands. And what was our strength at the first part of this season? Yeah. I mean, our, our defense only looked good truly in one game at the start of the year. And that was Nebraska because they had Jeff Sims, who's the worst D1 quarterback I've ever seen. And that says something as we watched three terrible ones last year for the buffs. Jeff Sims is worse, but the defense is improving and they're very opportunistic. They're, they're leading the PAC 12 in turnovers, which is an insane thing to think about given candidly, we, we look at the yardage and we look at the points totals. It's been a little bit rough on that side of things, but they're getting better. And that, what I attribute that is, is to coach. Yeah, You know, our defensive line looks a lot better. They're plugging up holes in a better way where teams aren't running for 350 yards on us anymore. They're actually filling those gaps. You've got the linebackers coming down and crashing. They're actually reading the play at a really high rate. And then our, our defensive backfield is still very good. Not great, but very good. I, I attribute that entirely to coach. That That's on the defensive staff doing their job and making proper adjustments and we don't have the Jimmys and Joes on that side yet. So mm-hmm. we're winning or we're getting better by the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the offensive side, I think we do have the Jimmys and Joes, except for maybe on the offensive line. And we're getting schemed out of it with the X's and O's. Yeah. That said, I'm, I'm encouraged by our defense. I think Shiloh Sanders is an incredible player and he's proven that he's a ball hawk. Like, we saw what happened against UCLA. Our defense started to get a little wobbly when he was out this week against Oregon state. That kid was flying around the field. He forced another fumble. He made a ton of open field tackles. He he was really, really strong. And Trevor Woods, man, Trevor Woods is the unsung hero of this Buffs team as he moved from safety to linebacker and he's performed admirably at the linebacker yeah. position. Yeah. It, it you had said this in the preview that he his IQ for the game is really what makes this dude impressive um and he's he's like a second coach out there for that defense mm-hmm. just you can you can see him calling things out on the line they're all yelling at each other like what you know what is going on and having that communication uh, and that's what you need on the defensive side of the ball but um, I mean, after being ranked in the top 25 after our 3-0 start, we are in the danger zone, I would say, of missing out on a bowl eligibility here. Um, with mm-hmm. three remaining games left, what do you think the odds are of the Buffs sneaking two out here against U of A, um, Washington State, and then to follow their, for our final game of the year against Utah? Um. You know, Utah, I'm chalking up as a loss right away. Kyle Whittingham, he, he's too good of a coach. He's 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 got a tough football team that's really smart and physical, and that's been our downfall. Um, so I'd say Utah's 5% chance. Any given Saturday, anything can happen. That's the beauty of college football. It's just not likely. Um, Arizona... I liked that opportunity a lot more at the start of the year when it was Jaden Delora starting a quarterback versus this freshman that came out of absolutely nowhere in Fafita, who's been lighting it up since he came in, since Delora got hurt and he, he's taken over the reins and he's not giving him back. Um, he just he's got, beat UCLA. He's got, 
Yeah, they've got U of A ranked. Yeah, he's he's a beast, and that offensive line is improved. Jedfish kind of has it clicking a little bit down there in the desert. Um, I think what I like about our chances this week is it is in Boulder. Mm-hmm. We keep saying that we got to establish a run. We got we keep saying that. I think that, negative seven rushing yards against Oregon State. Well, yeah, because Shador was sacked for negative 37 rushing yards. That obviously <laughs> still isn't great that we only had 30 yards outside of that. But, you know, I, I like I like our chances okay against U of A. You know, I'm looking on ESPN. They do the little matchup predictor thing. It, they have us at a 29.6% chance to win. I am actually going to go lower. I think it's about a 20% chance. Mm. I I can see us finishing the season at five and seven. Um, to be perfectly honest, I think I do think we could beat Wazoo. Um, I think that's going to be our best shot at a win because they're spiraling right now in yeah. a major way. They just lost to Stanford ten to seven, which is the weirdest Pac-12 score of the year. Um, followed by U of A is our next likelihood, and like I said, that that odds is low. So I'll, yeah. I'll call it now. I think we finish five and seven. Um, just miss out on a bowl, which you know what, that's still a four game improvement. And right. You know, coach, coach prime comes from the Bobby Bowden school. You know, he, he played for him at FSU, a legendary coach in his own right. And Bobby Bowden's thing when he, when it comes to turning around a program was, you know, first thing you lose big. Second thing you lose small, then you win small, then you win big. Mm-hmm. We had to lose big last year. Our margin of loss or our point differential was like 29.6. Now we're in the lose small territory. Our margin of point differential, I texted it to you, it's something like 3.4. Yeah. That's a huge yeah. improvement. Huge improvement. So we're in the lose small right now. That means next year, theoretically, if we follow this roadmap, we're in the win small. And then two years down the line, we're win big, which actually kind of adds up to me. So I'm, I'm really hoping that is the roadmap we follow, but it, it is frustrating right now. It's very frustrating right now. It, yeah, it definitely is. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to another topic and talk about uh, some other games that happened around NCAA football this week. Uh, the, ba- the big one for us is uh, our boys, the Air Force Falcons, did lose to the Army Black Knights. Um, Eliminating, so by elimin- eliminating any chances of a um, Colorado school being uh, eligible for the uh, BCS uh, national championship. Yeah, that is a that was a very depressing game from the Air Force Falcons. Um, I don't know what exactly happened outside of they turned the ball over a, a shit lot. ton. Yeah, which is Lots very uncharacteristic. Lots of fumbles. Uh, the the quarterback uh, threw his usual uh, one interception. Uh, I think he might have had two actually in this game. Two this game. Um, but that that it was happening every single other game. So it's not like that was out of character. It was just mm-hmm. yeah they they were turning the ball over a lot, and then Army was taking advantage of those turnovers. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're a podcast that admits when we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Army Black Knights, great game. You yeah. you guys came in here, you punched our Falcons in the mouth. I mean, right from the get-go. They they jumped out to an early lead, and it, it was never much of a game, to be honest with you. Yeah, our buddy Ethan texted us and said um... – <laughs> texted us a screenshot of the score when Army was up 10 to nothing, I believe, and you said, I'm not worried. And then a little bit later, Army scored again, and I said, I'm a little worried. And then Air Force had another turnover, and I said, okay, I'm a lot worried. <laughs> yeah, and then Army scored off of that, and I said, yeah, well, Air Force is losing. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just that you can feel it in a football game when those kinds of things happen. Uh, there, There's so much that goes to momentum in football games. And it, it was early to tell kind of kind of midway through that third quarter of that game that I was like, oh, yeah, Army has Army has this one for sure. Yeah. And, you know, Bryson Daly, the Army quarterback, he came out and had himself a day. He feasted on the Falcons defense, which you, you think that. Air Force would be adept to handling this kind of offense, given the 
it's basically the same offense they run. Right. And Bryson Daly just went off. He only threw nine passes. Four of them were complete for 40 yards. It's not like he lit it up through the air as Army never has and never will. But on the ground, he had 36 carries for 170 yards and two tutties. Mm -hmm. That's disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. That is so good. And he put the ball in his hands and he just willed that team to victory. And it's hard to watch as someone that was really rooting for Air Force and was ready to get the blue and white out for the the CFP and Mm -hmm. fly out and watch them beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. But uh, (laughs) didn't happen. I still think they could beat Ohio State, though. Oh, they probably could. Absolutely. Ohio State looks kind of soft. Um, the other, yeah, Ryan Day other, is a bitch. A couple other big games that went on. Uh, the Washington Huskies took on USC Trojans in a shootout. And Michael Penix Jr. might be better than Caleb Williams, everybody. I'm just throwing that out there right now. Huskies win. Michael Penix Jr. He's so good. The arm talent on that kid is impressive. Um yeah, uh, unbelievable game. Probably the best game of the week, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. Um, that, you're, you're or, looking... that or OK State and Oklahoma. That was a good oh, we'll game. talk about Bedlam. We'll talk about <laughs> Bedlam. But Michael Penix just came out and flexed on Caleb Williams of, hey, I, I'm deserving to be talked about, and this Heisman is mine this year. That was a Heisman statement game for, for Michael Penix Jr., and – my God, that Washington running back, Johnson, dude. Dude. 256 yards, four tutties. Sheesh. Yeah. That, that was insane. I think I we had said this before that game, but Washington is a more complete football team than USC mm-hmm. is. They were going to win that football game either on the left hand of Michael Penix Jr. or any other way. Uh, and it just so happened that this game that – that the I don't know who the OC is for Washington um, decided we're going to run it down USC's throat. Yeah, and I mean, damn, did it work? That for, I don't know who the OC is at Washington. I mean, I think it's still quasi Kalen DeBoer, their head coach, because he is an offensive minded head coach, and he is he's really good. I'm, I'm scared that he's going to get poached by a Michigan State or a Texas A and M. Because I, I do like the Huskies a lot. Um, I think they run a really good program, and I think that it will be fun to watch them in the Big Twelve because I think or in the Big Ten because I think they're going to walk in and not be afraid of the Ohio States, of the Michigans, of the Penn States of the world, and they could go in and punch some people in the mouth and come out with a Big Ten championship within their first few years. Realistically, yeah. they could. Yeah. So we're and we're recording exciting. this we're recording this on Monday night, which means the college football playoff rankings are going to come out tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that this win for the Washington Huskies does put them at number four. Um, it was a statement win for them, like you said. Um, and you know, Florida State uh, struggled against Pitt, who they played this week, and I think that those two teams flip flop. Um, because of this huge win that Washington did have, which all I want is a Pac-12 school to be represented, man. That's all I want right now. Well, I think we got a we got a decent shot at that, right? Like at Florida State, they keep winning, and they, you know, credit to them. You you win the games on your schedule. You play who you play, but they haven't been overly impressive. Jordan Travis is a very good quarterback, but I, I don't think he's Michael Penix Jr. I don't think he's Caleb Williams. Honestly, I'm not even sure he's as good as Shador. Um, truly, I think if we had that offensive line, we'd see a very different Buffs team. So, I, I can I, I if I was on the committee, I would justify putting Washington ahead. And then you know you've got Ohio State, Michigan. They still have to play each other. One of them's going to lose, and you know we'll even see how it shakes out with the Michigan sign stealing thing. Like, do they? I know. Do they from the CFP? Right. Do they, yeah. Or do they let them in? Like this is still, this is like an ongoing thing that Michigan yeah. needs to be concerned about. Yeah. I mean, Connor Stallions, he has the Michigan manifesto as he named it, which is a little unabomber for me, but <laughs> I mean, if he releases that, like, or if someone is able to find it, cause it's just a Google doc. Like he even came out and said, it's just a Google doc. Right. So that's, kind of dumb because you can pretty easily figure that one out if there's anyone who's got worth a half a brain when it comes to that shit 
Like you can find that pretty quick, I bet. So we'll see what happens with that. You know, Ohio State supposedly there are rumblings. I think I sent you this article of like Ohio State may have actually like hacked the Michigan computers or something, and that's how they found out about the sign stealing, and then they right. reported it. And that would be a federal case, and then Ohio State could be facing sanctions. So who knows what happens there if that's accurate and that's legit, and they find all that out. Um, Georgia struggled a little bit against, granted, the number 12-ranked Missouri Tigers. They didn't look great. I I think Washington has been consistently the most impressive outside of Michigan this season. Yeah. And they deserve to be in. Um, And then Oregon is knocking on the door right behind them, and they beat the living shit out of Cal. Oh, God. 63 to 19, man. Like, that's a... That's a ass whooping, (laughs) but the big, but the big, but here's my thing about Michigan is that they haven't really played anybody. And Mm -hmm. uh, this upcoming week, they do have uh, the number nine ranked team. Now the Penn state Nittany lions uh, in, um, oh fuck. Um, Is that in Ann Arbor or is it in Happy Valley? No, no, no. It's in Happy Valley. Happy Valley. Sorry. Uh, That's a tough place to play. I'm guessing that's going to be a whiteout game for Penn state, which is just always a scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one thing Michigan really has going for them is James Franklin loves to lose game against top 10 teams. Yep. Like death taxes, James Franklin losing against the top 10. So I, I think Michigan will probably come out on top of, in that game. It all comes down to how McCarthy plays under center for them. But and if they, you know, stole the signs before they were found out. So we'll see on that. But uh, that's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm excited to see that. One. Yeah. But I mean, a Michigan's lot of these. Test. A lot of these first six teams, which is really how I kind of measure it, because the first two out do matter because you who you play could put you into the top four. So I'm going to like kind of like talk about the first six here is is that um, there are some big games this week. Uh, We mentioned mentioned Michigan, Penn State, Um, Washington is playing Utah, who moved up in the rankings this week to 13th. Georgia is playing Ole Miss, who's a top 10 program, Uh, Ohio State, Michigan state and ohio state will probably win uh mm-hmm. oregon's playing usc that'd be a huge another statement win for oregon and then we just see usc keep tumbling <laughs> um, uh and then uh, uh, florida state uh taking on taking on the u so this is going to be a very very fun weekend for college football yeah it's going to be an awesome weekend um i might not well i'm going to the game saturday but if i wasn't i probably wouldn't leave my couch um, does USC fall out of the top 25? Yeah. I think they got to fall to like 25th this week. If, if, yeah, I think they, they're going to be 24, 25 this week, maybe something like that. But then if Oregon, obviously you can't have a three loss team ranked in the top 25. No, no. I mean, they, both they did last week, LSU, LSU is a three loss team and they were ranked 14th against Bama. But well, no, there's three losses now. There are three losses three now losses. after the Bama game. They were a two-loss team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that one. The rankings, when they come out, that's going to tell us a lot because, you know, does Texas get knocked down below Bama now? Right. After barely eking out a win against head Kansas to head, State at home. But head-to-head matters. Head-to-head matters. Head to head Texas matter. won, so. Texas did win, um, but Alabama dominated a better team yeah with lsu yeah i mean dominated 42 to 28 that's a shit kicking mm-hmm. for a top for two top 25 programs and you know texas they only won by three it took it to overtime against kansas state which kansas state's a quality program but they continually do more with less whereas lsu has that talent level and they are a decently coached team with Brian Kelly. I, I got to bump Alabama up. I, I would put Bama at seven, Texas at eight, and then Oklahoma is going to take a tumble, which I'm so happy about. I'm so <laughs> happy about. You yeah, want to talk so, bedlam a little bit here? Yeah, let's dive into that. So for those that don't know, this is a this is a huge football game every single year. Um, and it's and the landscape of college football isn't the same without this football game. So heading into next year is going to be very, very interesting with Oklahoma moving to the SEC. 
Yeah, because this was the last one, at yeah. least for for the time being, which is such a damn shame. Because yeah. as as two people that grew up watching, you know, Big Twelve football and the rivalries that existed within that conference, it, it's now officially gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have CU Nebraska anymore. You don't have you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you should still have Texas, Oklahoma with the Red River. Depends on how the SEC schedules that out. I I would be stunned if they got rid of that game because that one is so big in the landscape of college football. But, you know, you used to have Missouri and Kansas. That's dead. it's, It's really sad to see what happened, but I love nothing more that the Oklahoma State Cowboys got the final laugh in what is currently the last bedlam because OU was the was the catalyst behind this game ending with them and Texas leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it it is amazing and it was it was a really really good football game. Like they the like these are those ones where um you there you can't really point to like one thing being what happened that caused a team to lose because both of these teams were just battling each other. When there's a final score of 27 to 24, that means that there is small successes on both sides of the football for both teams. Yeah, it was, it was such a great football game to watch just as a fan because they were just taking turns. They were body blows the whole game. Mm -hmm. You know, Oklahoma state, they, it was 7-7 tied at the end of the first quarter. Then Oklahoma State had a slightly better second quarter where it was 17-14. And then suddenly the third quarter comes and it's, you know, 21-17. to And then Oklahoma State pulls it out at the end to win 27-24. It was an amazing, amazing game. The turnover battle was pretty good. It was Oklahoma had three to Oklahoma State's one. Um, Oklahoma State, though dominated time of possession exactly that's what i was just going to say that is what wins ball games it's not fucking hard no it's a pretty simple (laughs) like Like, get a stop i would be interested to do um i'd have to get paid for this if and when out of office pros gets big i will do this research and i will look at the bajillion college football and nfl games that have been played and determine based on time of possession, who won the football game and what the record of those games were. That might exist. That That might exist. AI might be able to do that for me in 10 seconds, actually. No, we have have Rocket Science Cole. Oh, that's right. Rocket Science Cole, Colorado Springs Cole. That guy, he develops formulas like it's nothing. We saw what he did (laughs) with our fantasy football league. That's true. That's true. Uh, speaking of that, he just beat me uh, in fantasy this week. Uh, unfortunately, I don't want to talk about fantasy. I I'm the punching bag. I'm the punching bag of our league for everybody that doesn't know, because I would have beat every single other person except for two this week. Uh, so I am the punching bag. Um, let's move Which on to some. NF- <laughs> let's move on to some NFL news. Um, the biggest thing that occurred this week uh, was that Josh McDaniel was fired from the Las Vegas Raiders after <laughs> a, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, what, what's the word I want to use here? A An interesting start to his career with the Las Vegas Raiders, um, but not all that indifferent of that from his start with the Denver Broncos. Um, this dude has a reputation. He does. And it's not good. I mean, did you see the Raiders players after they won this week, smoking cigars in the locker room? So happy. Just so he did him. done. So let me, um, I, I had found this. I'm just going to tell the story that I read. So I'd read a story. This was two weeks ago where they they had a team meeting and Antonio Pierce, who is the now interim head coach, but I think coaches linebackers for the Las Vegas Raiders right now, uh, former NFL player, um, got up and talked about his uh, 2007 New York Giants team when he was playing for the Giants in 07 when they beat the undefeated uh, New England Patriots 
in the Super Bowl and how they believed that they could beat anybody, that they um, were a very, very good football team. And they went out there and proved it that day, you know, was trying to get the, get the players hyped up or whatever. And Josh McDaniels apparently pulled Antonio Pierce to the side and said, don't talk about the Patriots like that. In, uh, like also basically saying like, don't talk about Bill Belichick like that in a way. And (laughs) nobody liked that. Nobody liked the fact that Josh McDaniels was still talking about his glory days being the, uh, I don't even know if he was the OC at that point. He might've actually, yeah, because we hired him not too long after that. So he probably was the OC uh, Mm -hmm. of the, of the new England Patriots. Uh, It's like, this is your football team, man now man like you are you are at the helm of an entire franchise right now who cares what happened 15 years ago right like it's natural to relive the glory days and want to be there but when you're the head guy you gotta embrace your role and understand that if you're going to talk that heavily about the team that you were with that candidly, I don't think Josh McDaniels really did much with because they had TB 12 at quarterback. Mm -hmm. And we know who the real OC of that team was. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose your locker room very, very swiftly, especially in the NFL where these guys have a lot of pride. McDaniels, he's got to go down as one of the worst head coaches in NFL history, right? Like he's successfully tanked two franchises. Well, yeah. I mean, there's all these memes out there about him just laughing on his way back to New England because he's uh, tanked a second franchise. Yeah. I mean, is this Belichick's like grand scheme? Like, did the NFL get too easy for Belichick that he had to just like find a game within a game and destroy other teams by sending spies out? Right. But then again, you know who's the worst team in the AFC right now, record wise? So, New England Patriots. No. Yeah. The New England Patriots are the worst team in the AFC right now. I'd love to see it. And um, they also have the worst point differential in the in the NFL right now. Which is wild for a Belichick this, team. This yeah, I mean I'll dive into Bill Belichick here in a second, but here's um, here's what happened. Josh McDaniels go over, goes over to him and says, "Don't ever talk about the Patriots like that." And then you really saw how divided that building got. That got up to Mark Davis, and I think Mark Davis looked at it and went, "Okay, I'm going to choose the guy who believes that we can win every single week." And that's why Josh McDaniels got fired, and Antonio Pierce is now I mean, the I can't, head coach. I can't blame Mark Davis, like. What would you do in that situation? This is your biggest investment by far and away. And the Davis family is competitive. They are. I I would have fired him too. Yeah. I mean, I can't, especially when the amount of time and effort that his dad and him have given to this franchise. Yeah. You, you have to, you have to let a dude go. Their whole life. Yeah, that hasn't, um, that hasn't, or that doesn't believe in what they're even saying. Like, if a co, if a coach doesn't like a former player coming in and telling a success story because you were at the short end of the stick because of that story fifteen years ago, that person, that person is childish. That person mm-hmm. is. Um, just yeah just somebody that you don't want in your locker room i'm trying to like think of the right words for this but i really can't it's just like he does like josh mcdaniels just doesn't have that level of emotional maturity to Mm -hmm. let a thing like that go when somebody else is trying to come in there and inspire your locker room right it's it's unbelievable to me that someone of McDaniel's age is that petty and that small mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to let that affect him. Um, I think that the Raiders, unfortunately being Broncos fans, 
the Raiders made the right move clearing him out. Yeah. I would love for McDaniels to be there for a decade and right. just continue the Raiders' run of stunning mediocrity. But they they made the right move, and it's going to be interesting to see, like, do they go after Lincoln? Do they right. go after Jim Harbaugh? I, if I'm Mark Davis, those are the top two names on my list right now. Mm-hmm. It's they've got to be. Yeah. And Jim Harbaugh, because he had some he had some success in the NFL already before he went back to the NCAA. He went to and the Super Bowl. He, and he is going to want to get out of there before this stuff comes out about Michigan. Much, And he's always flirted with the NFL for the last like three years. Much like Pete Carroll did with the stuff with USC. Yep. It's going to be very much a Pete Carroll situation. And, you know, this, it worked out well for the Seahawks for okay. a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, he's kept them afloat even through Geno Smith. <laughs> like they're they're five and three right now. They're leading their division, which is a, well, they're not leading their division. They're tied. They're tied they're leading their yeah, division tied. with the Niners, yeah. which is insane. Yeah, um, yeah. Jim Harbaugh is my call for the Raiders, and that scares me a little bit. Pending him finding a quarterback, which means the Raiders have to suck the rest of this year right. to get a good one. Right, but like if, Mike, if Michael Penix Jr. goes there, ooh, or do you, I mean ooh. any honestly any of these dudes coming out of the Pac-12, I'd be nervous about playing every single year. I think I mean Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. Like any of those three, I would not be very excited to have to play for the next fifteen plus years. God no, that that sounds like an actual hell. Uh huh. I'd rather not. but but inevitably it's going to happen i mean the there's only a certain number of draft picks that are available and unfortunately for you know us as the broncos one of our teams every single year seems to draft somebody that is going to then be successful for the next 10 plus years we have seen it now with the chiefs where they dropped to patrick mahomes uh, Justin Herbert with the Chargers is looking like a guy. Um, it's just Derek Carr was pretty damn good as a Raider for a while. He was, he was, and and I I would love to do some research on this and figure out if Josh McDaniels is the reason that uh, that Derek Carr wanted to get out of there. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly. Well, everybody I mean, remembers the first thing that happened when Josh McDaniels got here to the to the Broncos was is he <laughs> Jay Cutler went to go introduce himself and and, Jay, and uh, Josh McDaniels was basically like yeah get the fuck out of here yeah which smoking Jay is a little bit different than a oh, I Derek love Carr Cut- I love Jay Cutler man I love post playing days Jay Cutler <laughs> I hated Jay Cutler as our quarterback. Like, he's just a normal dude now. It's like Blake Portals. Like, I'm a right. big boat guy. Yeah. But would I have wanted the boat as our quarterback? Well, I guess technically he was our quarterback for a little bit there. God, that's a weird timing in Broncos history. Oh, it's the best. It's it's the time I remember the most, I think, because that was, like, my formative years. Like, be, of becoming, like, not my formative years, but, like, of my formative fandom, like, where – you you decide who your team is. You are know you talking I mean? Jay Cuddy or are you talking Blake the Boat Bortles? I'm talking Jay Cutler. Okay, yeah, Cuddy Cuddy makes sense. I was gonna say if you were just forming that when Bortles was in our QB room. Oh no, I'd have some questions. Yeah, no, I was like, all, damn, that was not that long ago. <laughs> no, that was like what two years? Two years ago that we had Blake Bortles, Case Keenum. Like the, yeah, so I think like was our quarterback room just yeah. fucking weird. Um, other news around the NFL. Uh, how about Josh Dobbs? Rocket scientist himself, man. Speak like speaking of rocket scientists, this this... guy, he gets traded. He's working on his cadence with his offensive line, like 28 seconds before he goes and takes his first snap and leads them to a dub. He, he what? said he said after the game, if there was a quiz, I'd fail uh, based on my, like my teammates' names. He like he didn't even he doesn't even know the people that are on the Minnesota Vikings roster. Dude, I mean, he doesn't even know where Minneapolis is on a map yet. And he's, <laughs> I'm sure he knows that. Again, he's a well, he's pretty scientist. smart. Yeah, he, he is pretty smart. But I mean, 
God damn, like either the Falcons are really, really, really bad or Josh Dobbs is that guy. Right. No, man, <laughs> I, I, he, I mean, he won a, a few ball games in Arizona down there. He really did. He, like he did. they're, he, they're about to get Kyler back, which is the only reason that they shipped him out. I'm pretty sure because yeah. there's, there's just absolutely no way you trade away a player who's winning you some football games just because um no kind of is starting this week yeah they're announced and the the minnesota vikings they made a good call they they probably looked at every single quarterback in the league looked at all the backups looked at everybody and said that is the guy who we want to come in here and replace Kirk cousins because they still think they have a shot at making the playoffs i personally don't think that they do and their offense is about to get a little bit better because i do think that justin jefferson is coming off of ir here soon um but I, I, God, and that division is wide open. The Packers are ass. The Bears are Lions ass. Are good. The Lions are good. Lions are good. I mean, you know, did did Dobbs even go to Minnesota before that game, or did he it fly did, straight to Atlanta? It didn't seem like it. Uh, based on based on the stories that I was reading, is he he legit was taking snaps on the sideline um or five he was five days on the team is what i'm seeing here now god that's so wild i mean good for Dobbs. like dude salute for you to come out like that that's just wild i mean no matter what yeah that's a hell of a day um yeah big win against the falcons there Let's see. What other NFL game was really interesting? I mean, the Chiefs Dolphin was kind of boring by what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, I was expecting a really high scoring game. And I think the NFL network is pretty bummed about that too. I mean, if I, I think the country of Germany should be bummed about that. Still had 50,000 fans there, man. Like that's impressive. Well, yeah. And did you see them all singing, uh, take me home country roads? (laughs) Yeah. That was fucking awesome. That was real neat. That was really cool. But uh, yeah, that was kind of a snooze fest of a game. 21-14 out of two of the best offensive in the NFL. Um, really the, Chiefs defense, the Chiefs defense is turning it on, man. Not against Russell Wilson. Nah, yeah. Let's go, Russ. <laughs> Broncos country. Let's rap. Yeah, it, we're going to be previewing the Denver Broncos here on uh, on our podcast coming out on Friday, but um, should be should be interesting coming out of a bye week heading into Monday Night Football. Um, and I think that we will be um, potentially live streaming that game while we record. Uh, going to try to figure that part out. Uh, should be an interesting one for out of office bros. But before we sign off for the night, anything else that you'd like to add? I feel like we kind of did a good rundown of everything today. Um, yeah, just want to reiterate how, how awesome it is the basketball season started. Um, you, you know, there was a lot of hype around this football team, deservingly so. This was the most exciting time to come on board as a Buffs fan for, for football. And we have two teams in major revenue sports that are really, really good and have been really, really good for quite a while now. Um for them to come out this way to start the season. I mean, the men's team was expected to go in and beat, beat Towson pretty soundly, but they didn't do that last year. We, we lost to Grambling state as a good example last year. And I, I think you're seeing a different level of focus from not only Tad this year, but from the team, you've got a, a veteran group now with Tristan De Silva being a senior KJ Simpson being a, a junior and then bringing in a talent like Cody Williams and having the supporting cast that they have, whether that's, you know, <laughs> Luke O'Brien or any of these guys coming off the bench, it, it's a really talented group. And this freshman class is going to be special. That That's really exciting. Roll Tad. And then on the women's side, I cannot talk about how big tonight was for this program and elevating the profile of this program. J.R. Payne's got something really good going on. And as someone, like like I've said on this podcast before, I love women's hoops. It's really fun to watch. And this Buffs team is really fucking good, whether that's Quay Miller or Jalen Sherrod. Those are probably the two biggest names to know on this roster. And tune into them. They play a really good defensive game. They play an aggressive offensive style where 
you know, Jalen really likes to get in the paint and drive. So if that's kind of your vibe, definitely tune into the women's. But roll Tad and go JR. It is fucking awesome to see two wins and hopefully a very long and successful season for both programs. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody make sure that you tune into basketball. Uh, well, we will be back next Thursday or next Friday, excuse me, uh, discussing what's been going on with the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche, uh, as well as some updates on all of our other teams as well. It's like we've said, we are heading into the thick of sports season. So definitely a lot to talk about on our pod. Well, everybody, thank you so much for giving us another listen on out of office bros. We'll be out of office again on Friday for immediate assistance. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and please, please, please tell your friends. We'd love to hear from you. Best, the out-of-office bros. Sco Buffs, boycott opening day. That's right, baby.